Hello. My name is SD Hudson Magic. Welcome to my Tales of the New World. This is Episode 8. If you want to listen from the beginning, seek out the rest of my tales, where you can hear the story and find out all about the anthropomorphic haven at the top of Motherby Hill. It is now time to relax. Take a deep breath in through your nose. That's it. Then let it out on a long sigh. Settle into the support beneath you. and allow yourself to be transported to another dimension. Episode 8 The Magic Scarf It was early morning and all was a busy in the New World Meadow. Another market day had been and gone, and now it was time to set things right again. It was time to clean and craft and prepare for ascension when those from the far lands would proffer such rare produce as could only be completed once every red moon. As the sun did rise, so did all life, some hurriedly with a shoot and a burst, whilst others with a calm acceptance and understanding of all that life has to offer. And with this, another day's needs and another day's wants, another day's hopes and another day's wishes. Being the first of the Meadow Masters to emerge, Jeremiah ran his front cloves across his rugged face, making certain to retract his sharp claws. He checked his polished tusks in the meadow well, then took a long, cool drink of the clear crystal water deep within. It slithered down his thick throat like medicine, stirring his senses and awakening all life within, 
so that he was whole once more and ready to face the day ahead. Then accepting his humble repast from Daisy, he proceeded to the willows to sit upon one of the many woodland wishing chairs and listen to the gentle hum of the carved animals adorning their silver backs as the swollen dewdrops glistened all around him. This was his favourite place, and he was looking forward to a little peace before things got busy again. This peace was not to last, however, for as usual the Sassny was awake, and when the Sassny is awake, everyone knows about it. When she walks, the ground wobbles. When she picks things up or places them back down again, the grass parts ways, and even if there is no one listening, she makes certain to gossip to herself, as gossip to the Sassny is as a hearty meal to the Pog, or as a sunrise to the Hopsy. It is her very life force, and she simply cannot do without it. Only on this day, the Sassny's throat was a little more sore than it had been of late. I've heard little rumours of a telling tale where the pog he's been eaten from the meadow grail, and I'm sure if I listen there'll be more to tell, once this washing's hanging eye. Not one to leave it, be it sweet or sour, that Jasper. He won't wait till the eating hour. He'll be foraging already, and he'll take no cover till the sun drops low in the sky. Is that entirely necessary? moaned the bunyip, even though he was somewhat amused. Let a fellow eat, won't you? But the sassny took no notice. For all his protestations, she knew Jeremiah liked to be entertained, and who better at this time of the morning than her? Then when she had delivered a verse or two more, with one thrown in for good measure, she left to collect her latest batch of watching, albeit slower than usual. Jeremiah watched her go. The Sassny worried him. She had been hiding herself and her illness away from the rest of the meadow for a few days now, and there seemed to be little sign of improvement. If anything, it looked like she was getting worse. Meanwhile, over in the land of summer, the Trichido was oblivious as to the visit she was about to receive. It was Jeremiah's mission that day to check on the progress of the magic scarf, that very item she agreed to produce for ascension. Well, I say agreed, that's not really the whole story, for the production of something so rare takes much sacrifice. Such sacrifice this mistress of all weavers was unused to making. Being a most particular person, the Trichido likes to weave what she likes to weave, just enough to keep her head above water, it said, although for much of the time not even this. Her cloth is merely for looking at, for hanging upon her walls and draping across her chairs, that she may marvel at her skill and wallow in her achievement. But soon the red moon would be upon them, so there was no getting away from it this time. She would just have to make the sacrifice as the Master of Summer asked, if she were to ascend and be considered for further reward in the future, which would mean access to more threads and more walls at all times. 
This was a prospect too rich for the Trichodo to turn down, for she loved her walls and her threads. Impatient at such an intrusion, the Trichodo refused to look up. The burden of conversation she would leave to the Bunyip. Let him pick through his words and shuffle his phrases. She had better things to do. Jeremiah looked at the sallow-faced figure before him. With a right side much larger than her left, impressing upon her to such a degree she relied upon an old thumbstick to redress the balance, the Trichodo stood behind her old wooden work table, focused and without humour, her long knobbled clues splayed out wide. The master of summer was a distraction, one she could well do without. "'Well, ain't you a sight for sore eyes, Missy, and busy as usual?' Jeremiah quipped, refusing the chair offered to him by an enamoured assistant. All things considered, he preferred to stand, much to the disgust of the Trichodo, who resented the long shadow he laid upon her precious work. He was surprised at just how bright the room was, especially for one with an expression so dour. But this was a workplace, Jeremiah reasoned, and the Trichodo's delicate labours did demand pinpoint accuracy at all times. Lined with row upon row of the finest silken threads every colour of the rainbow, its high brick walls were wide and heavy, and as the sun shot at its dark oak rafters through the old glass windows, the many beautiful fabrics hanging hither and thither upon them came alive in its reflective embrace. The Trichodo looked up. It was still up there. She had finished the magic scarf with time to spare, but she didn't want the Bunyip to know that. With things being the way they were, she could trade its magic over and over again before giving it up on ascension. That way, she would stand to gain much more than she would lose. The magic scarf was her masterpiece. No one else could produce such a thing, and she had done it. She had woven it willingly, and this was the only reason the magic was so powerful. Now she must benefit from these endeavours, otherwise what was the point? I'm inquiring as to the progress of your services. Jeremiah spoke through gritted teeth. He could see the Trichodo's barriers were well and truly up. His charm, it seemed, had just careered headlong into them. But only an expert would do, and the Trichodo was certainly that. After all, this scarf wasn't just any old scarf. My time is very limited, she snapped, impatient at such interference. Well, I'll be needing it a bit earlier than expected. Jeremiah persisted. Before the red moon? The Trichodo huffed indignantly. It's rightly so, he confirmed. The Trichodo shuffled her back clues to and fro beneath the table, her pale hairy coat brushing the floor all the while. She was preparing herself for what was to come, for it was not wise to challenge a master. But busy she was, and he was preventing her from getting on. It's just not possible. 
Instinctively, Jeremiah reached in to check his waistcoat pocket. And then the Trichodo realised. Something wrong? Hmm. I had wondered why the urgency, she said. Jeremiah felt almost ashamed. That one so far removed from the meadow should know of something so personal. He hated to be compromised. But the Trichodo had seen its golden glow. And as everyone knew, when Jeremiah's timepiece glowed, danger was afoot. Can you do it or not? The Trichodo sat back in her chair, slowly, purposefully. She was in a position of power now, and she liked it. I'm very short on time. If you could come back tomorrow... Blue sparks flashed in Jeremiah's eyes. It ain't wise to be playing games. It ain't that kind of situation now, and you know it. And exactly how do you propose I honour my other commitments? The Trichodo was reluctant to let go of what little leverage she had, and keen to trade as much of the scarf's magic as she could before giving it up to the meadow. Jeremiah stepped back his gesture easily mistaken for a laugh by those who knew him not. And the Trichodo knew him not. He moved doorward. There was more than one way to get what he wanted. It was less convenient, but in this instant he had little choice. The magic scarf was in there somewhere. He knew it. The Trichodo was nothing if not organised. It was just a case of finding out where. Chapter 3 A Trick But why me? You know I can't stand that interfering busybody, or the land of summer for that matter. Get Delilah to go. She's quick and she's nimble. She can get up to the rafters in a second. Jeremiah and Fortenua were deep in discussion, and Jeremiah was not about to let go. Maybe, but she won't find it and you will without even trying. His flattery was not lost on the cockatrice. Of course, but I failed to see the urgency, Jeremiah. Now he was stuck. He had promised he wouldn't say anything, and he always kept his promises. He looked around the grand orb for divine intervention. There's a lot to be collecting between now and ascension, and I'd rather get the belligerent ones out the way first, before things start getting real busy, you know what I mean? Fortenua looked closely at him. Jeremiah was uncomfortable with lying to her, she could see that. She scanned his every whisker with her red eyes. Nothing would escape Fortenua. If there was anything to see, she would surely see it. So you're gonna help me or not? She clicked her beak. Something was up, but she just couldn't put her wing on it. There was nothing wrong with Jeremiah, she could see. His organs were intact, his skin without rash, his eyes clear, his teeth as bright as ever, his brain firing on all cylinders. So what exactly was it? With her powerful eyesight, she never missed anything, but there was something. She was sure of it. What kind of a game are you playing here? she said. 
There ain't no game. I'm trying to get ahead like you always say I should, Fortenua. Now, you gonna berate me for that as well? The cockatrice looked at the facts. The bunyip had been scanned. There was nothing to see. They would only have to go and collect the scarf anyway, be it a day later, so perhaps he was right. Why should they not get there early? All right, have it your way. I'll come. Let's get this over and done with. And Jeremiah smiled to himself. He had successfully shielded his pocket watch from the prying eyes of another master. His power of Betchy was still at his beck and call. He wasn't the first master for nothing. Chapter 4 The Magic Scarf True to its name, the land of summer was hot, and the cockatrice resented every minute of it. Quite why she had been hoodwinked into collecting the magic scarf before it was offered voluntarily, she did not know. The only thing she was certain of was the blazing sun was burning her precious copper feathers, and her long beak was dry and cracked, making her even more irritable than usual, which was saying something. She reached the house of Trickado quite quickly, and saw to her surprise, Jeremiah was already there. "'Did you run?' she scoffed. "'How in the far lands did you manage to get here before me?' Jeremiah laughed. "'It's amazing what I can do when I need to,' he answered cryptically. But Fortenua chose to ignore this. She was getting sick and tired of his puzzling behaviour. "'Let's get this over and done with,' she said, bursting through the wooden door unceremoniously. But to their surprise... The trickado was long gone, along with all the woven cloths previously hanging on the wooden rafters. Now what will we do? she snapped. There ain't no time to lose. She's gone back on her word. She'll give us the magic scarf, sure, but only with a fraction of the magic promise within it. That she's going to use for herself, no doubt. Typical! "'Screeched Fortenua. I might have known. "'This is the land of summer, after all.' "'Jeremiah turned to block her way out. "'He was far from amused at this snarky comment. "'Now look here, Fortenua. "'I'm summer, you're winter. "'We agree on that. "'But we work alongside each other most successfully "'nearly every single day.' Just because we ain't in the meadow now, don't mean we forget the one true word for tenure. At this, the cockatrice pulled her neck in. Jeremiah was right. They were masters and meadow folk to boot. As such, they should refrain from letting any frustrations cloud their vision. She should have known better. Kindness above all else. That was the one true word. And speak it, she should no matter where she was. My apologies. That's okay. You'd do the same for me, said Jeremiah. Fortenua looked at him closely. Jeremiah was someone she respected. He was inherently good, and he never let his feelings cloud what was right. She was indeed truly blessed to have such a friend and fellow master. Now let's get to it. 
Jeremiah continued. That trick at old Canna got far. And he was right. True to form, the trickado, being greedy as she was, had wrapped the scarf around the first person she'd come across who had something she wanted to trade with. As they watched, a pink haze shimmered momentarily to heal them before she took the fine gifts they had in exchange, then made for her next encounter. That's quite enough of that, screeched Fortenua. Ascension will not be granted to those who drain the magic from their gifts before even offering them. What kind of deceit is this? And seeing two masters blocking her path, one from the land and one from the air, the Trickado had no choice but to relinquish the scarf and admit defeat. She would not be ascending that red moon, if ever. She could have kicked herself. Back at the meadow, Fortenua returned to the Grand Orb and left Jeremiah to his own business. She had been humbled that day, and reasoned, who was she to question why he needed the scarf so urgently anyway? Meanwhile, over at the Willows, the Sassney was sitting on a wishing chair, looking paler by the minute. But you didn't have to go to all that trouble for me. I should have let on sooner and gone away to the Farlands to heal, she said, rather than put my meadow friends at risk. I just don't know how anyone else would be able to cope with all the backlog, that's all. That washing's not going to do itself. You stayed away from the others and did what you could, said the bunyip. All things considered, it'll be nice to hear you back in full voice once more and get this meadow back to normal. Without your singing, people were starting to talk. And as the Sassney shook her head in disbelief, the pigtailed Hopsy wound the scarf around and around her woolly neck until the light in her china blue eyes dazzled as bright as a star once more, and her broad smile worked its way from woolly ear to woolly ear. The End I hope you enjoyed this tale. If you did, Please consider following me for more Tales of the New World.